0: Hello, everybody. My guest today is Josh Weisberg. He's the founder and director of GoToMarket at Outbound, a customer communication technology acquired by Zendesk in May 2017. He challenges businesses to rethink communication with customers by centering marketing, sales, and service teams on the human relationships they can build using this customer data. Josh, are you ready to take us to the top? Let's do this. All right. Tell us about Outbound. We'll focus Outbound first, then acquisition, and then more about strategy inside of Zendesk. So when did you launch Outbound and what does it do for folks?
1: Yeah. So we launched it in 2013. Um, and my co-founder, Dhruv, and I basically realized we were both working at GetAround, which is like Airbnb for cars, basically. It helps people do do car sharing. And we needed a tool that was essentially a marketing automation tool. So we would have these car owners who would get stuck in the funnel And they would take certain steps, but not complete, go all the way through. Um, And we looked at all the marketing automation tools on the market. So like our exact target and Marketo and a lot of last generation tools. And we just were not happy because they were based on email and they were based on lists. And we wanted something that was based on the actions people take inside a product. And they could communicate across channels. And in 2013, not much of that existed. The markets exploded for those tools now. So it's a really interesting competitive space because name, I think a lot of name have a that. few of those. Oh man, Autopilot, Intercom does some of this. Lean Plum does it. Appboy does it. Um, yeah. So there's lots of new new competitors in the space. Uh, but but our core innovation was using events. So we realized customers don't need to use lists as much anymore. They need to use the actions people take inside a product. Could be a mobile product, could be a website, could be a server side event. But basically, we wanted to use actions instead of lists to figure out what messages people should get.
0: And and that's the hardest thing for people. I mean, I come from the world where people brag about their list size. The problem is when they send a blast out, like 1% opens. But these people that understand, one, how to track events in their app. Like, I just signed up. I just bought a new investment here in Austin. It's an Airbnb. The onboarding mm. there is incredible. I mean, they'll know when you stop part of the onboarding and email you the morning after and say, what happened last night? Did we lose you? Yeah. You know, I and mean, it's incredible. So you, you outbound helps folks do that kind of stuff. That's right. That's right. And,
1: and that was the first phase was just understanding, like, people need to move from lists to, to actions so that you're you're sending a message at the right time in the customer lifecycle. And then when we had events coming in, we realized we can use those same events to figure out, do these messages work?
0: Yeah. Now let's, so what people do. Yeah. Let's, yeah. let's keep talking pre May 2017. So before any acquisition, just to make your story easier there in terms of paint, like business model, was this a typical SaaS model? Yeah, it was a SaaS model. I think when we started out, we didn't quite know where's, where are
1: people going to find the value? So when you're, you're figuring out pricing, you're figuring out business, you kind of, where's the value coming from? That's always an open question is what is the pricing unit? What are we going to, where do people derive value from this product? And I think, you know, we kind of felt around a little bit and a lot of other products were using list size. So we're using how many contacts do you have? And for us, our big innovation was it's messaged users. So how many people are actually getting messages? And it doesn't matter to us how many messages or what channels. So we'll take the number of messages off the table. We'll take your list size off the table. It's just about how many people are you actually engaging with and what are they doing because of the messages? So that was our subscription model.
0: That's great. Um, Interesting. And can you give me a general sense of size? I mean, are we talking people on average paying 10 bucks a month or a thousand a month or a hundred per month?
1: Yeah. When we started off, you know, we wanted to make a self-service product, which is actually one of the reasons we ended up at Zendesk is that they have that in their DNA too. Uh, It's really hard to do. So we have an API integration and everybody, of course, wants to start off. No salespeople. We'll just build it like Atlassian. We don't need any salespeople. And, you know, eventually we realized that the API integration is a big hurdle. So you need to help people over that hurdle. Um, and at first it was cheap and so we were, yeah. we were self-serve and then we realized over time we need to be more sales assisted and now we're actually trying to move it back towards self-serve. So we're trying to lower the price point. That's always been our dream is that we can get this product out there and we can give it to everyone yeah. Um, yeah. at different levels of sophistication. But we started off, you know, and you were paying, I think when we started off, we launched, it was under a hundred bucks a month for our first couple customers. And now, you know, it's it's definitely risen to at least a few hundred dollars a month for for most businesses that are using us, and and some of them are paying us much more than that. So.
0: Call it maybe three hundred ish on average.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it varies by it varies by industry and it varies by use case. Um, but yeah, there's there's kind of a lot of growth stage companies who are probably paying paying somewhere around there.
0: And then more yeah. again of the backstory here, pre acquisition, did you bootstrap the company or raise, and if you raised, how much?
1: Yeah, so we raised 2.1 million uh, in an initial seed round and then we did YC um, after they rejected us the first time. But we got Gary Tan on board and he was just a terrific investor and kind of um, rallied, rallied lots of people. So his fund initialized, he's a YC partner and kind of brought us back into YC at that point. Um, and we're able to use those relationships to get our first kind of growth stage customers. So we got Instacart and we got DoorDash and some other customers uh, using us uh, and really like feed us those use cases. Um, and help us to grow in the right direction, to to stay ahead of uh, competitors in the space based on what growth stage companies needed. And that became our vertical, is what do growth teams need? Uh, We were the the lightest tool, we were the most powerful event-based tool, we could do A-B testing, we could do cross-channel, and those growth marketers, they became our bread and butter, um, and really kind of directed our product for us.
0: What did your, uh, again, pre-acquisition, what did things like churn look like? I think, you know, it, it, it varied a lot.
1: I think the, the biggest lesson we learned around churn is, um, is that you need to find that, uh, you need to find the persona who will stick with you. And I think early on, we had some customers who did churn, who w- expected that list-based tool. And when we found the growth marketer who was ready to do the API instrumentation and who, who was, who was ready to kind of track all the events, send them over to outbound and really invest in the tool, churn lowered a lot. Um, like from what I, to it, what? Can you quantify that? I can't share the numbers now because we're, we're part of a, you know, public company. Well, That's but, what I'm saying.
0: Can you do it before? Like how, what, how many percentage points were you able to get churned down when you made that change?
1: You know, I would say we reduced churn probably, uh, we probably cut it in half Oh wow. uh, when we were able to get our persona right. Uh, so before, you know, we had different, we had apples and oranges. We had people who wanted to send email blasts. We had people who wanted to send onboarding messages. And then we had developers who were just looking to set up transactional messages and when we figured out, OK, what is the mix of people who can actually use this product um, and use it consistently, then we, we at least cut it in half, probably probably more than
0: that. And are you, were you directly in line with kind of most healthy SaaS companies? I'm talking, you know, sub 3% monthly logo churn. Is that fair to say? I think, yeah, by the time we dialed it in, we were we were probably a, a bit better than that. And you didn't have a ton of, you know, some of these companies that are doing, you know, 100 million in AR that I've had on, they have really aggressive kind of upsell customer flows and their expansion revenue is crazy, but their price points are way higher. I imagine that wasn't a big part of your playbook. You were looking at spread, not depth.
1: That's right. And and I think one of the things we realized is, um, if we give people a couple of really valuable use cases and we start you small, we will grow those use cases over time. If the product's good enough, and you can see, hey, I can send emails, I can send push notifications, and every message that goes inside outbound, I'm going to be able to evaluate what people do because of that message. That was a strong enough pull factor that it's like, well, we're, we're sending some other messages in SendGrid, let's put them in outbound. We're sending some other messages, you know, with our in-house push provider, let's put those in outbound. And so, so we were relying on that kind of pull rather than pushing a strong sales process. And I think we'll, we'll continue to do that.
0: A few more economics questions here uh, before we move forward to kind of post acquisition days. Um, sure. What did you like to keep kind of payback period to in those days when you're adding customers? You know, I think uh,
1: that was something we always were, uh, were, we're, looking at and we're observing um, so what is our payback period, you know, what, kind of how long does it take us to get the cash back in the door? I guess is what you mean. Um, but because we, we spent no money on marketing. So we, what, what we did is we built this tribe of 10 initial customers who really, really loved the product. And then we didn't spend money on, on marketing. It what was, was your
0: team of, size though. How many folks are marketing and sales or onboarding? We had a team of five total. And we built so total oh, wow. and we built so much product with those five people
1: that we were able to basically punch way above our weight. And now as we develop the business, if we hadn't ended up at Zendesk, of course we would have had to invest in some of these things and we would have needed to do marketing. You, you do need to do that at some point. But we were able to keep, stay so close to the customer and build so much product that then you know, we kind of had options um, around that. So, so payback period, we never um, worried too much about that given where we were as a business uh, because basically we, we were getting word of mouth.
0: Yeah, and yeah. So even if you did spend, you know, a dollar or ten dollars, you were getting it back instantly, right? Because you didn't really have any spend.
1: Yeah, and and, you know, we had we had core expenses, and we were all stretched really thin. Yeah, you can't do that forever, and that was (laughs) was consideration. Uh, So you know, we were one man armies heading up different divisions, each of us. But uh, and and I should say, we went through to get to those five people. We probably went through at least ten people. Um, so it was this thing where we needed the right people in place to be able to run with that model, but that's how we got profitable. And that's how we, that's how we ended up with, with options.
0: And who is we like, did you have one or two other co-founders? Yeah. So
1: my co-founder drew, uh, yeah. So drew meta, uh, was worked with me at get around. It was just him though, right? uh,
0: Nobody else. That's right. It was just the two of us. And he was plus five or included in the five included in the five. So it was me and
1: drew and then three other, uh, three other
0: folks. That's really, really great. And then again, right up to before you sold, what were you able to grow your customer base to? How many folks?
1: Yeah, we had uh, more than 100 companies using us of different sizes. Uh, and we had pushed pretty hard up market in the year previous to to joining Zendesk. So there was kind of a, a mix of growth stage and early stage companies that we'd had in the years previous. And then we were able to grow. And we, we did a pretty big rearchitect architect uh, in 2016. Um, and basically we got into that, that very stressful stage where you sell up, you know to customers that you're not you're you're wondering can i service these people i hope i can service these people they asked for a bunch of custom implementation oh god and we had to redo the stack and we had to move cloud providers and, and do all those kinds of things um but we were able to do that with the team we had um and we got to the size where um we were we were closing really like i would say almost enterprise size customers with our stack and so we knew we had we were good at that point
0: many of you know, I am buying companies that I really, really like, and there's no quicker way for me to get to the bottom of what is happening on that website than using this tool called nathanlaka.com forward slash hot jar, H-O-T-J-A-R. It basically will give me a recording. Okay. When anybody lands on the website, it will give me a recording of where the viewer is scrolling and obviously does the basic stuff like heat maps too. But I learn so much about where the users are scrolling and clicking on my site using that tool it helps me increase conversion rates make more money and grow those businesses faster and we'll have to see what happens with those businesses but I'm buying them I'm buying them very quick and I'm using nathanlatka.com forward slash hot jar for all of my website analytics you can too I work with them it's totally free you can go to nathanlatka.com forward slash hot jar no credit card required again use it as much as you want nathanlatka.com forward slash hot I'll see you there building up to the acquisition, what were you looking at in terms of growth rate year over year at that point? Um,
1: I'm not sure that I can share numbers for kind of what our, what our growth rate was, but um, it was definitely, we went through kind of a, a, an acceleration period, um, I, I think after YC. So we did the class of 2015, winter 2015. Um, and that really kicked it in into higher gear where we were, we probably d- doubled our growth rate after that.
0: Got it. Okay. I mean, so, I mean, we're talking like, well, at the, at lower numbers, like, well, I don't know if there are low numbers, but you're not doing a hundred million a year, but I mean, you're able yeah. to weigh more than double year over year pretty easily, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, definitely.
1: Yeah. And, okay. and, and, uh, you know, one thing that I learned from YC is that, uh, if you can pick a, the, the whole mantra is, is kind of, if you can grow some metric that's very important to the business 10% week over week, then, you know, you're, you're, you're having some success. And so they would just kind of pick a metric and then they will rake you over the coals every week and say, How are you doing on that metric? And that's a that's a lesson we absorbed and we were able to kind of keep keep doing and saying, Okay, what is it that we're growing? Uh, and that, that led to our to our acceleration and growth.
0: Yeah, I want you guys to really take that lesson home because it's the a theme I see, whether you're a, an entrepreneur just starting out or, you know, the guys, you know, at Qualtrics about to go public, they know the one metric that they got mm. to get the, these users to hit in the first seven days, like using right to drive growth. And if that thing's not growing, you're cooked. A lot of people that I've seen, they, do, they don't even know one. They don't even know what that metric is. Or if they do know, Josh, what that metric is, they lose focus on it. They want to do mm. more stuff every mm. week instead of improving incrementally on it. Mm hmm. Yeah, it gives you direction and it helps you focus.
1: And then it, it makes you accountable. So you look back and, you know, all these things that you're doing, because there's a million things to do all the time when you're a small team and you're trying to build something. And you just know, am I contributing to this thing or not? And it makes decisions easier.
0: Now, you said earlier, and we're going to kind of back the napkin here and then move forward post Zendesk. But 100 yeah. customers, you said earlier, maybe 300-ish per month. I mean, you were doing well north of 30 grand per month at this point, right? Sure, yeah, yeah. We, yeah. Were, yeah, we were definitely above that. Yeah. And so why... <laughs> Go ahead. remember we'd gone up market uh, in
1: the year kind of previous so so there's kind of a bimodal distribution there if you will, where we had some smaller customers and then and then we kind of moved into the bigger customer space at that point
0: I mean we can though say pretty accurate between thirty and a hundred is a fair statement right monthly yep okay good why exit yeah so that's
1: a it's a good question and one that we thought about a lot in two thousand sixteen so I think the first decision that drew and I made together and 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 I think was a, was a crucial decision that I would urge every founder to think about is you have this kind of, um, so, so your investors are always telling you to grow and telling you, okay, you know, spend that money down. If you have venture backed and venture backing, um, they want signal on that money. So that money needs to produce drastic results for them, for the model to work. And I think what's important from the entrepreneur's perspective is to understand, um, You're not in a portfolio. You're not a portfolio of 10 companies or a hundred companies like a VC has. You have your company and we, what we decided in 2016 is, um, first we need to get profitable. So we're the kind of business that can get profitable. Um, and so we kind of figured out what customer mix do we need? What's our sales cycle? We dialed some of those things in on the B2B kind of understanding the dynamics of our business. Um, what size customer do we need to close? How long does it take to close them? What are they doing with Outbound? Uh, how big a team do we need to serve that customer base that will get us profitable and getting there, which we were able to do in 2016, um, just opened up so many options for us because we had the option to raise, to grow organically or, or to potentially sell. And so when Zendesk, which I think has a terrific, uh, corporate development function, which a lot of companies don't, so you'll end up having a lot of corporate development meetings that so they don't go anywhere. And or Zendesk, worse, they'll,
0: they'll bluff, like they have a great one and it's actually yeah. crap.
1: That's right. Yeah. And, and, and I have to say, uh, Ben Barclay, who we worked with here at, at Zendesk, you know, when he, he was kind of poking around in our space. Um, and, and the thing that immediately stood out to me was that, um, here we were in this market that's super competitive. It's a red ocean. So I mentioned some of our competitors who were coming up, um, you know, doing mobile engagement, there were marketing automation providers, there's a ton of email providers. Um, and, and we had, you know, what we believe are real differentiators in the space, but it's hard to cut through the noise. There's so much noise in the marketing automation and tool stack space. And at Zendesk, what we realized is nobody was taking our technology and applying it to customer service and experience teams. So those interactions are happening on a one-on-one level and people are writing tickets and then an agent responds to the ticket. And there's this very manual process where most companies are still doing customer service, customer support that way. And what we realized is we built this technology. If we paired it with Zendesk, which has this huge suite of tools that can do a really good job at having one-to-one interactions and you can elegantly switch back and forth between automation machine learning, some of the things that we had developed, um, and these chats and actual talk conversations and support uh, tickets. If you're able to switch in and out of those two different tool stacks elegantly, there's a huge market to be created. And I think when we saw the size of that market and we got into discussions with Zendesk about that, it's really exciting to us.
0: Now, did you raise that 2.1 million on a safe or were there any like crazy liquidation preferences or anything? It was it was a convertible note.
1: Initially, we kind of had a first tranche. that was a convertible note. And then after YC, we did safes because that's just the way that YC kind of does everything. They don't so, have liquidation preferences in those, right? Uh, no, they don't.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm I mean, part of why I'm asking this is I'm trying to understand you had to have created and credit to you and your team immense leverage from something because if, and yep. this is obviously a minimum, right? But if you were doing 30 grand a month, uh, that's 360 a year, right? But you raise 2.1 for that to be a decent exit for folks, you've got to be selling for, I mean, like double or triple, right? What you raised. So you're looking at well over 10 X multiple, you created serious leverage somewhere. And yep. I'm trying to uncover what that leverage yep. was. And and I think that that's exactly right. So I think what we realized, there's different ways. Come to on, give it, it, give it to me. What's the leverage? It's, it's different. So if
1: you, if you poke around Zendesk's uh, financials, you can probably figure out exactly what the leverage is. But, um, but I think, uh, you know, I, I, I think what we were able to do is make a decision not to have, not to raise a lot of money and try to, and try to kind of, uh, claim a really high valuation, but rather to build a lot of product. And we were able to do that in a space where um, we could solve some, some difficult technical problems. That could then the biggest lesson I think I I took from this experience is that we had thought about pointing our infrastructure at the marketing landscape. Zendesk came along and was so valuable that your value in an acquisition is what can this particular company do with your technology and how can they apply it to the 100,000 existing Zendesk customers?
0: So there was a pro forma somewhere that said we are expecting about 10% of the 100,000 to pay at least the $20 a month price and boom, 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 saves us a year building it, blah, blah, blah.
1: That's right. That's right. And people buy you, people buy you for, you know, your product, your technology, they buy you for your distribution. And we were product, a lot of product that was getting married to really good distribution. And Zendesk has a really kick-ass suite of products itself in a different space. And so putting those together just created so much leverage. And I actually still believe, you know, synergy is really hard to find, actual synergy. And I still believe that... after being here for six months, it's it's real. It's it's there. Is it so panning? We, I it, mean,
0: usually these usually these BD guys, these corporate dev guys, when they put that profile together to sell it internally to the board, and they say we expect yeah. this much oversell rate and this kind of ARPU increase on in our current base with this kind of new tech coming in, usually it's always an overestimation. Uh, but are you guys? I mean, generally, I mean, is it panning out? Are you expected it to pan out?
1: Yeah, I think you know it's always frustratingly everybody wants it to be faster, including us. You know, everybody wants to realize the value. But I would say that uh, the opportunity is at least as big as yep. as I believed it was when we closed. And I would say it's more specific, where it was it was it was fuzzy and it was off in the distance. Now it's really specific. So I know why people are going to buy. After spending some time with Zendesk customers, now I know why they would buy a tool that can automate a Try lot of things jumping. which were done manually before.
0: Mm-hmm. And last question here, before we wrap up with the Famous Five, did you also create additional leverage by actually getting a term sheet from a VC so you had the option to raise if you wanted instead of exiting? We were in discussion. So remember at this point that we were profitable and so you, you
1: can't can't kind of run you, You know, it's it's easy when you're talking to VCs or you're trying to get acquired um, to run out of time. And that's really your worst time is your worst enemy. If you're running out of money, you're running out of time. You had plenty because we were able to, to pay our own bills. Um, we were talking to investors and we were kind of exploring all the options. And so that's what gave us the ability to kind of find a really good deal. Yeah.
0: All right, Josh, let's wrap up here with the famous five quick answers here. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Ah,
1: yeah. So I'm going to give an off the beaten path tribe by Sebastian younger. So this guy, uh, the, the thing I love about this book is that uh, you, it's all about how everybody needs belonging and connection. Underneath all the products and all the things that you think about building every day, um, there's this deep human need for it. And it's been in our DNA for hundreds of thousands of years. And understanding that at a deep level has helped me build better products.
0: Number two, is there a CEO you really respect or you're following or studying?
1: I mean, Yvonne Chouinard of Patagonia, this guy just doesn't give a shit about anything and he changes the world every day and he constantly reinvents his business.
0: Number three, what's your favorite online tool besides your own?
1: I would say Trello because I go crazy if I don't have a receptacle for all my ideas and the noise (laughs) in my head. So it's just a place to put everything.
0: Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? I get eight hours of sleep, except when
1: it cuts into exercise. And the reason what I realized is it's not about time. It's about energy and I need to do things that give me energy. So whether it's exercise or whether it's painting or whatever it is, you need to find something that gives you energy back. And and it's okay. I think to compromise a little bit of sleep to get that.
0: And what's your situation? Married single. You have kiddos. I'm married. No kids yet. No kids yet. And how old are you, Josh? I'm 36 last question. Take us back 16 years. What do you wish your 20 year old self knew? Uh,
1: So, uh, yeah. So the biggest lesson that I would say I've learned in the last four or five years personally, and what I wish I'd learned at 20 or before 20 is, um, this idea of abundance mindset versus scarcity mindset. So, you know, you can look at any situation and you can look at, uh, it's not just glass half full glass, half empty, but you can literally absorb and recognize the same facts. And you can realize all the opportunity that is there in in that situation, or you can look at all the things that are missing that are that are scarce in that situation. And I read an article by um, her name's Katya, who wrote for the first round review, uh, first round capitals review. And I read this blog post, which just changed my whole thinking. And I think that's been one of the biggest lessons for
0: me. There you guys have it from Josh, outbound.io. He and his co-founder founded the thing back in 2013. He's adopted this abundance mindset, encourages you to do the same. They stayed hyper-efficient with just five people, really focused on product, instant payback period, product marketing tied to a single utility metric. It worked. They grew to about 100 customers, $2.1 million raised, doing well north of 30 dollars per month with healthy growth rate when they exited in May 2017 to Zendesk doubling well north of doubling year over year with super healthy economics. Again, now building at Zendesk and trying to go back down the funnel to get mass audiences and mass folks using them on very specific teams. Josh, thank you for taking us to the top. Thank you, Nathan.